Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. And today we are so excited to welcome to the podcast Sister Susan Porter, a member of the Relief Society General Board. Sister Porter, welcome. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much. (laughs) We're so glad to have you. As a quick introduction, Sister Porter was born in Oklahoma, raised in rural New York. She and her husband, Bruce Porter, raised their four children kind of all over the United States and the world, Massachusetts, Virginia, Germany, and Utah. Elder Porter was called as a member of the 70 in 1995, and she served with him as he served in the Middle East and North Africa area and the Europe East area of the church. Elder Porter passed away in December of 2016, and Sister Porter was called the next year to the General Relief Society Board in 2017. And she plays such an important role on the board and I think brings so many important perspectives and life experiences, and we're just excited to have her here in the studio today. So thanks again. Thank you. And we're so fortunate to be able to have you in the studio. During this recording, we're in the midst of the global pandemic, COVID, and it's been really neat for us to be able to have a place where we can safely record. We're socially distant, and Mm -hmm. anyway, we're just really glad to have you. So we wanted to begin the conversation today jumping in. You shared that you were raised in rural New York, and something a little bit unique about your upbringing is that you came from a part member family, so your mom was a member of the church, your dad was not. We'd love for you to share more about what that experience was like, because we know that's something that a lot of women experience, and maybe the counsel and encouragement you would give to women who are also in this situation. Yes, thank you. If any of you have been to the Hilcomora pageant, you know the beauty of upstate and western New York, those rolling green hills. So that is where I grew up. It is beautiful. Yeah. So my dad worked for Corning Glassworks, and maybe some of you have been to the Corning Glassworks factory. But my mom was the youngest of 10 children, grew up in Salt Lake City. Both of her grandmothers joined the church in England and brought their children to Zion. Both of their husbands came later, so they came themselves. Oh, wow. And so they were women of faith and strength and came there. So my mother was raised in this very close Latter-day Saint community in Salt Lake. My dad was born in Germany. He's of Jewish background, Mm -hmm. ancestry. And his family narrowly escaped the Holocaust oh my goodness. in 1939. Oh, wow. So he, my father and his brother, left on the kinder transport for England. And wow. that's a story for another day. Mm-hmm. But his parents were finally able to get out and came first to Santo Domingo and then finally to the United States. Okay. So my father then was finished raised in Long Island, New mm-hmm. York. They met in the Korean War at Dugway Proving Grounds. I was going to say, how did these two <laughs> yes. people? Yes, Yes. so they married, and and you see these very different backgrounds. My father was Christian by faith, so my mother felt so strongly of his goodness, and he was a very good man. Growing up, my parents agreed that the children would be raised in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the Church Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I have my mother to thank for teaching us. There were five of us. There were some difficulties in a family with two different sets of faith, especially in those days. The church, mm-hmm. we met four days a week, you know, Relief Society one day, Young Women's Primary. and That's true. Church was a 50-mile round trip. Oh, wow. So my mother came from this line of very strong women, strong in faith. 
there also was the opportunity, of course, to compromise and to work together. And so when speaking to women today, I think what a need to hear him because you want to teach your children. You want to bring everyone closer to the Savior. And the way you do that needs to be spirit-led so that you're not putting wedges in the family and in the relationship, Mm -hmm, but you're doing it in a way that brings people closer. Mm -hmm. Those that paid such a big part in our life were members of the branch. We were like family. So we had a close family friend who who baptized us. And so you you see the importance of a wonderful ward family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, how much we need each other. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. And I love that you highlighted that there was a reason that you're mother was drawn to your father because of the kind of person that he was. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to highlight that she probably felt guided to that marriage. And there were challenges and difficulties that came with it, but that that was the life that she chose and that there were some beauties there. Yes. I'd like to say one other thing, and that is that my mother had many impressions through the marriage that my father would join the church. She had dreams and so forth. Interesting. We never saw that fulfilled in this life. Each of my brothers served missions and thought they would be the one to <laughs> teach the gospel of my father. We were all five were married in the temple. And sometimes we can get discouraged, but it showed me the power of hope, hope in Christ, that we do what we can, we follow the Spirit, we lead as good a life as we can. And I had an experience five days after my father passed away. Now, he would have been associated with the church for over 60 years and did not accept the gospel. But five days after he passed away, I woke up with this feeling of great joy. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And as I laid there and pondered and prayed about it, I had an impression that was the joy of my father. Not only seeing my mother and his loved ones again, Mm -hmm. but that he was accepting the joy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of his Savior. And he was anxious for us to do his temple work. Mm. And so we had the great privilege and blessing, my siblings and I, to go back the next year to the Palmyra Temple and do his work. But that reminded me of the power of hope and also the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father who knew his heart. And his chance wasn't over. Mm -hmm. He had been exposed. He had lived the best life he could. And he now is accepting that beautiful opportunity. Mm -hmm. A reminder that we are not limited by what we see and what we experience here on earth. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Sister Porter, you and your husband raised your four children in Massachusetts, Virginia, Germany, and Utah. And you've shared with Carly and me about a time you felt very isolated and alone while you were living in Germany when your children were very young. And we would love for you to just tell us more about that experience and what you learned from the Spirit about your efforts and your value. Oh, thank you. Yes. Just three years after we were married, we accepted a job opportunity in Munich, Germany for my husband to work there. So we moved to Germany. We had a a two-and-a-half-year-old and a a 10-month-old. And my husband had served a mission in Germany, so he knew German. My father was German, although I did not speak German. German Mm -hmm. was never spoken in our home. But we both felt that would be a wonderful opportunity. So we moved there. And a year later, our daughter was born. So we now had three children, three and under. And Bruce at the time, of course, was working full-time and serving as the branch president. And our branch was about 15, 20 miles away. And most of the branch members lived close to the branch building. Mm -hmm. And we lived off in a suburb of Munich. 
So I was there with those three little kids. Of course, there's no FaceTime or internet. Right. No. You know, you write a letter. Communication and, would have been really expensive and difficult. It was a dollar a minute to call the United States. Wow. And to compound that, our neighborhood where we lived in Munich, every yard was surrounded by six-foot-high cinder block walls. So oh as I goodness. took the children out for walks, it's not like I could just run into neighbors or yeah. try yes. to say hello and meet people. They all were behind Physically these. very isolated. Physically very isolated, yeah. And then isolated from members of the branch. And I did. I started to feel very isolated. I felt like I wasn't contributing anything since I had a very light calling in the branch under the circumstances. So again, I felt like I wasn't contributing to anything to the world or the church or... Well, and probably just completely consumed with these three small children. Yeah, yeah. two in diapers and yeah. And, and I remember reflecting, you know, I did graduate from college just a few years ago, <laughs> but... And it was in chemistry and here I am. I guess I'm doing kitchen chemistry, right? <laughs> so anyway... Um, One Sunday, a sister in the branch called me and asked me if I would substitute for her Relief Society class. And I remember thinking, I just don't have anything to contribute. You know, what could I possibly say that would be of help to anybody? But as we do, I accepted and I went, you know, prepared as best I could and went and taught the class. And after the class, a few of us were standing around just visiting and talking. And into my mind came this very clear sentence. The Lord loves a plodder, P-L-O-D-D-E-R. I cannot tell you what that did for me. I was certainly a plodder. I was not out there, you know, running the sprint and making great contributions and making tremendous outward progress. But the Lord recognized that I was trying to move forward. And that for him, the speed didn't matter, the sphere of influence didn't matter, the fact that that was in my circumstance, I was doing the best I could to move forward. And I think for women worldwide in all different kinds of circumstances, whether you have little children or ill health or whatever it is, that the Lord is aware of you and he's aware of the pace you can move and he honors your efforts. I really love that. Because it is so easy to get caught up in the things that we can't do or the limitations that we feel like we have, yeah. that you receive such specific inspiration. That's valuable for all of us just to mm-hmm. keep moving forward, no matter what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it reminds me of what we've heard President Nelson teach about the Lord loving effort. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I think about that, I equate effort with a perfect performance or a really beautiful outward expression of discipleship. But I think that that's really what it means is I am just trying. And that's what I think of plotting is like I think of someone moving in mud very slowly. <laughs> it's not very beautiful. It's not It's not necessarily very like remarkably impressive, but that's inspiring that you felt, no, no, the, the Lord sees this and he appreciates it. And like Shailen said, I think so many women in so many different circumstances will resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of that scripture, press forward. Yeah. With a perfect brightness of hope, just press. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's against the mud or the headwinds, just keep pressing forward with that hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And again, something I think so many can relate with. 
Sister Porter, your husband, Elder Porter, suffered kidney failure for 13 years and in that time had two failed transplants and more than 10 surgeries. If I remember correctly, these health challenges all occurred during the time that he was serving as a general authority. And you, as his wife, provided literally life-giving support behind the scenes so that he could continue in these very public responsibilities as a general authority, traveling and speaking, fulfilling his assignments. We were so touched by this because I think so many women can also relate to this idea of serving as a caregiver behind the scenes. And we would love for you to share what you learned from your experience and the encouragement or hope that you would give to these women who serve as caregivers who are often in these critical roles, but just a lot of times unseen and probably a little bit underappreciated. Yes, it was interesting because when Bruce was called into full-time church service, he had suffered from the time he was born with a congenital kidney defect. And it wasn't discovered till he went on his mission So when he was called into full-time church service, he was perfectly healthy. Mm -hmm. So we were called by President Hinckley and asked to begin our service in Frankfurt, Germany. Over the Europe East area, which was, of course, Russia, Eastern Europe, and at that time, North Africa. Mm -hmm. And we were so excited because Bruce, ever since his mission in Germany, had a feeling in his heart that he would play a part in sharing the gospel with people behind, at that time, the Iron Curtain, who had mm-hmm. been under wow. communism. So that was his field of expertise, was Russia mm-hmm. and the Russian language and foreign policy. And so to have the opportunity to go over, not many years after the wall came down, and to be able to play a small part in taking the gospel to the lands of the East mm-hmm. was just like Christmas morning. And so we accepted that calling and moved there. Mm-hmm. And after being there about a year, his kidneys began to fail. And we spent so much time in fasting and prayer, pleading with the Lord to heal his kidneys, as no one medically can do anything with kidneys. And we prayed so that he could continue that service. And we had many feelings of peace and hope surrounding that. But six months later, so this is just a year and a half after arriving in Frankfurt, his kidneys failed. And I, on an emergency basis, flew back with him to the United States to receive care. Wow. So there are so many parts to this story. And one is that we pray with all our heart and we accept the Lord's will and we move forward in hope, knowing that blessings that have been promised us will be fulfilled. And we certainly would hope those blessings would be fulfilled today or tomorrow or next week. Sometimes it's many years. And so we moved the family back to the United States. And we learned then that what we want to ask the Lord in those times is not why. (laughs) Why did this happen? Mm -hmm. But what? What can we learn and how can we serve in the way that thou would have us serve? And the Lord was very merciful to us because, as you mentioned, the next 13 years he had kidney failure. But the Lord made it possible so that he could still serve full-time for the Lord in his calling in Salt Lake. And one way that was possible was by me doing home dialysis. When you do dialysis in a center, of course, you do it according to their schedule, and that's during the day. So he was Mm -hmm. missing lots of meetings and opportunities. Mm -hmm. But they installed a dialysis machine in our home, and I was trained. And so five nights a week, Monday through Friday, I 
operated the machine, got him on dialysis, ordered the supplies. And how long does that take each night? What is that process? Yeah, he was on four hours, but it was five hours beginning to end. So he would walk in from the office. I would have the machine ready, get him on the machine, run upstairs, fix his dinner, bring it down to him. He would read. We might play a game and talk. But that was Monday through Friday. Every night. Oh, wow. And that enabled him then to serve in his calling in the day and Saturdays and Sundays to accept state conference assignments. So there are many women worldwide who have disabled children, Mm -hmm. husbands, they're caring for parents. Mm -hmm. It's very behind the scenes. No one knows Mm -hmm. what they're doing. It means they participate less in other activities they may want to participate in. Yeah, that's the reality of what those situations look like. And it's ongoing. It's ongoing. You don't necessarily see when it's going to change. And what did you learn for you to make that all work in your family? Yes, because when his kidneys failed, we still had our four children. So I was going to say, he's very young when this happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, our most immediate thing after his kidney failure was our oldest son was preparing to enter the MTC. So getting him ready and taking him to the MTC. Next son also. So our children received great blessings, and they also had to be maybe a little more self-reliant. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. leaving our two daughters at the time when he was still doing dialysis in centers or at times mm-hmm. when two kidney transplants failed. Wow. So there's sacrifice all the way around. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask for women in that situation, what kind of hope, especially if it's a situation that you know, it's not short term. It's not something that will end next month or maybe even next year. Mm-hmm. What kind of hope or encouragement could you offer to them? And also, how can those around them step up and help lighten that load? Yeah, those are good questions. It's interesting. During those years, I really started studying hope in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I realized how crucial it is. You're like, what is this hope yeah. after? <laughs> yeah. And many of us, you've prayed for certain things, you've felt a good feeling about it, you've felt lifted, and then things don't unfold exactly in the way you thought they would from how you felt. Mm-hmm. So I start studying hope, and you know, one of the most famous scriptures in hope is Mormon in Moroni when he says, and what is it that we should hope for? And then he goes on to explain that what we hope is that through the atoning sacrifice of the Savior and the power of his resurrection that we'll all be raised. And that is ultimate hope, and that is good. Sometimes we need hope today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I also studied, okay, I do know this, and I know that no matter what happens here, you know, if we stay faithful, we'll receive those blessings. And we also need hope today and tomorrow. Yeah. But it's interesting that Mormon also says in Moroni, Moroni recorded this, he said that the comforter bringeth hope. And so I started trying to pay attention every day to when I felt the Spirit, when I felt peace, when I felt joy. So I realized if I'm feeling the Spirit, that can fill me with hope. It's not hope in an outcome or hope in a result. It's a hope that God is aware of me. Hmm. He sees us and he's aware of us. That brings hope. And then the other thing is looking for his hand in your life. Very small things, whatever it is. Did a neighbor step in to help bring your child home from school when you were stuck at the hospital longer than you thought? So really looking for his hand and being appreciative for all of those small things can focus us on 
okay, I'm on a journey. I wanted an end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wanted a result. The Lord is using this journey, like 40 years in the wilderness, or what? how long did it take Lehi's family to get to Mm -hmm. the coast? And we think of it as passing time, and the Lord thinks of it as a process. I'm taking you through a process. I'm hoping that you're changing in the process. I may think, all right, I'm just going to grit my teeth, and (laughs) we're just going to get through this. That's not really what the Lord wants. He wants us to be a little more open than that, to say, okay, what can I be learning Mm -hmm. when things aren't as I wished and as we hoped and as we thought? And allow him to change us. I really love the thought of having this eternal hope in kind of our eternal roles and ultimate goals, but then also this hope that day by day, it's like, we just kind of need something to keep us going. Yeah, sustaining. Mm -hmm. I like that word. So that's just a really great idea that I think a lot of people are going to benefit from, especially when we just find ourselves in these situations that we didn't anticipate or that seemingly don't have an end or we can't see when things will be different. And you're in this situation right now. You found yourself as a widow where you didn't necessarily anticipate that. And we've often talked about on our podcast, just this large population of single sisters in the church and how these single sisters look different. Some of them have never been married. Some of them are divorced. Some of them are widowed. And it's more than half of the population of women of the church. We would love to know from you how you have found healing through the gospel of Jesus Christ as a widow and how you're finding your place as a single sister in the church. I'm very grateful that about a week or two after Bruce passed away, and as you said, it was unexpected. We were serving in Russia, and we had the blessing of going back a second time. That's very rare. So early in his service, we moved to Frankfurt, and he commuted into Russia. The second time we went, we lived in Moscow, which was a blessing for me because by then our children were all grown. And so I could travel with him everywhere Mm -hmm. and meet the incredible, faith-filled men and women. And of course, I had more association with the women and felt of their power and strength. I just wish we could transport all of us into Russia, Ukraine, (laughs) Baltics, all those lands where so many faithful people live. So he was serving there. We were loving it. He became ill. On a Friday, he just didn't feel well, didn't have energy. By Monday, he was in the hospital in an induced coma. So it happened very fast. Mm -hmm. And then we were brought back to the United States. And two weeks later, he passed away. All through that, I never thought he would pass away. I Mm. never had that impression or thought. Mm. And thinking about it later, I realized maybe the Lord was protecting me in that it was helping me just move forward with hope. take care of what needed to get done. Exactly. Two weeks after he passed away, I had a very clear impression, and that was, do not dwell on what you've lost. Remember the miracles. And that has been such a comfort to me To remember, you know, President Nelson has all invited us to be grateful, but to remember and ponder and make sure every miracle I could think of that we had experienced in our life together was written down and remembered and talked about. The miracle of going back to Russia, the miracle was our son David, our oldest son, donated his kidney, and that was the third transplant. That transplant worked. Wow. That enabled us to Mm -hmm. go back to Russia. 15 years later, and see and witness the tremendous growth of the church. It was like 
a gift like none other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gift to the kidney, the gift that it worked, and we could go back and serve together. So for those who have lost spouses, I would invite them to do the same thing. Remember the miracles. And not only remember the miracles of the past, but watch for the miracles today, mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic. Women who live alone for whatever reason always have that sense of loneliness. During the pandemic, it's vastly increased, mm-hmm. yeah. especially if you're a grandma mm-hmm. and your grandkids don't want to, of course, give you anything. So having the Savior as your friend, having him bring to your mind a miracles, asking him to use you to the, be the miracle in someone else's life, feeling that you have a purpose. I think for women who are single for whatever reason, never married, a marriage ended Mm -hmm. through whatever circumstance, to know for sure that your life and what you offer is as important to the Lord as anyone who may be married with children, that he has an important work for you to do. You will be able to reach people that others will never reach. You might be in a work situation, at a school situation. Whatever it is, the Lord can use you for his important purposes, and your life is very, very critical to his purposes. I really like thinking of it that way, seeing it as a a unique opportunity that we've been given. Thank you for sharing that. A very specific example of the difficulties that a single woman might experience in time of pandemic is that we can't participate in the sacrament, which is so important and such a central part of our worship. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and your insights about how you've still felt a connection to the sacrament or still been able to participate in maybe a different or unique way and the counsel or encouragement you would give to sisters in a similar situation. Yes, thank you. That's been one of the hard things for sisters who live alone, haven't had the opportunity to partake of the sacrament in their home. I've been able to have both experiences a few times with our daughter's family to experience the sacrament with them Mm -hmm. in their home or my home, and that has been sacred. There have also been many weeks when I've been alone and not able to partake of the sacrament. And that is hard. That is something we miss, and that is a real challenge. The blessing I've seen in my own life It's been the opportunity each Sunday when I have that situation to read those sacrament prayers out loud and to really ponder on what they mean. And as I've had the opportunity to do that, because I'm by myself, there's no distractions, the words, I've just had impressions come to me about what that can mean in my life, the blessings I can receive from those powerful blessings and those powerful invitations. And I've been able to ponder more deeply how I might renew the covenants I've made at baptism and in the temple at that sacred time. And I can take all the time I want to sit and figure out how I can renew those covenants, what I can repent of, how I can improve and invite the Spirit. And I had a thought just last week because when we say the blessing on our food, we ask the Lord to bless it. There's something unique in the sacrament because the sacrament prayer asks that that bread and that water be blessed and sanctified to our souls. And I felt that as we single sisters, when we do not have the opportunity to partake of the sacrament, that if we do so 
reading those prayers and renewing those covenants, that the Lord will sanctify our souls, even though we're not physically partaking of the bread and water. And I'm grateful for that gift. It has been such a unique time that really we've been given this opportunity to find different ways to learn about things that we're not able to do. So, for example, like going to the temple, participating in the sacrament, and participating in our meetings. We've had to find other ways to make those things meaningful and find value in them, you know, in their absence. It's just been amazing. So I really appreciate you saying that, that you've really taken the time to find out what does this mean for me personally, especially at this time. And so I think that's a really valuable lesson for all of us, especially during this pandemic. And then moving forward, I hope that we don't take these things for granted when we do have the opportunity again to take the sacrament every week for those who haven't. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. And one thing that I think you highlighted is that the promises of renewing our covenants are still available. The blessings are still there. We might not be able to partake of the sacrament each week, but that doesn't mean that we aren't receiving the blessings for keeping our promises and our covenants. And again, something I think so many can relate with. So I love that you shared, Sister Porter, about this miracle of you being able to return and witness the growth that you and your husband played a part of and your husband played a part of a long, long time before, but also just seeing the church flourish in these areas in Eastern Europe. Can you share more about what you saw and what you witnessed from the faith of these members? Yes, thank you. When we served there first, whenever we visited a branch, it was always in a rented building, Sunday-only rental. Mm -hmm. So they were often not heated. People would wear their heavy fur coats. I remember sometimes the water in the sacrament cups would be frozen. Oh, my goodness. we partake. So when we went back in 2014... Remember the first time I stepped into a building which was owned by the church, I burst into tears. They were beautiful with pictures of the Savior everywhere, families there. Young women's room had the colors and the values. It was absolutely like the best Christmas ever (laughs) that lasted for two and a half years. (laughs) And the Kiev temple was there. And so I'll just share two experiences. One to show the faith of the members. I was talking to a member of the ward we attended in Moscow and asked her about her conversion. She joined as a 17-year-old girl right after the fall of communism, which of course was state-sponsored atheism. She joins the church as a 17-year-old. One year later, she's at the university in a sociology class. And the professor is talking about the Bible. And he says, this is a work of literature, he said, but you will not believe this, but there are people in this world who actually believe it, that it's true. They're so naive and uninformed that they really believe this. Hmm. The entire class broke up laughing. Hmm. This girl, Natasha, raised her hand. She's 18. She's been a member one year. And she stands up in front of this huge class. And she says, I believe it is true. So much courage. The professor was speechless. He said, how do you know that? And she said, I feel it in my heart. And she sat down. That is one example of the faith and courage of the members in that area. The final was an experience we had when we visited the Kiev temple. I had a few names, family names. And so 
President and Sister Trithal, who were serving as temple president and matron, took me down to the baptistry to give those names. And then they said, would you like to watch? And I said, yes. Three people in that baptistry had changed my life. The first was a sister, tiny, tiny, bent over, practically in half from arthritis. Mm. The only way she could get into the font was the young men lifted her down into the water. The waters were like a healing balm for her. Sister Trifle said, this is the only temple work she can do since she can't stand or walk. Mm -hmm. But she comes every week to be baptized. The second was a young African man. He, in his village, had been the kind of star of the village, and the village had pooled all their money so that he could attend the university and come back and bless their village. They had paid for his schooling at a university in Ukraine. He moved to the Ukraine and started, and six months later, war broke out. The school was closed, and the money was lost. Instead of giving up in discouragement, he moved to Kiev, the capital. He embraced the gospel more fully than ever in his life, and he was in the temple that day to be baptized for his ancestors preparing to receive his endowment the next day. The final one was a woman sitting there with her teenage daughter. Sister Trithel told me that she had a 17-year-old son who had come to the baptistry every single week for years. He had contracted cancer. He was the hope of their little branch. He was going to be their first missionary. He was such a faithful young man. The entire branch fasted and prayed repeatedly for this young man. He kept coming to the temple as he got weaker and weaker and weaker. Two weeks after the final time he came, he passed away. Two weeks later, this mother was back in the temple with her daughter to do work in the holy temple of God. Her dreams hadn't been realized. Her son was gone. But her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was so strong, and her hope in eternal blessings was so strong, that there she was. I've been changed forever by the faith and humility of the saints throughout the Europe East area. Thank you so much for sharing these experiences. And sometimes we get to hear these stories, and so often we don't. We don't know Mm -hmm. about the sacrifices and the demonstrations of faith. And it's so inspiring for us to hear these are our brothers and sisters in the gospel and to be so strengthened by them. So thank you for sharing those. And it's good for us to remember that that's happening all around the world. Mm -hmm. I just want to get to know these people and hear their stories. So thank you for sharing those. In conclusion, Sister Porter, is there anything that you would like to share with the women in the church? It's been such a blessing for me to serve on the Relief Society General Board with Sister Bingham and Sister Eubank and Sister Roberto and the other members of the board, and to feel their love for the women of this church. And as we meet several times a week in various committees and pray to the Lord to know what he would want his daughters to know, we have felt his great love for his daughters that he has an important work for each one of them to do, and that your individual circumstance does not indicate your value to God. Sometimes we can mistakenly think, well, if I'm married and have five children and my husband's a member, you know, if all these things are in place, that is not how the Lord thinks. 
he views this life as a time to prepare to meet him. And whatever circumstance we're in, we can be doing God's work. Like I said before, we can reach people no one else can. He puts them in our place, in our sphere of influence. And I think as the great work of the latter day unfolds, women will be able to see even more clearly their importance in gathering Israel, what they are going to do in the latter days to bring our Heavenly Father's children to Him. There's a great work for women. I've loved studying the women in the scriptures, and just recently in closing, I've thought about the power of faithful women acting in hope. And in one chapter in the Book of Mormon, two women are highlighted that both exhibit this great faith and hope. And it's Alma 19, and it's the queen, the wife of King Lamoni, and Abish, both of whom acted in great faith. The wife of King Lamoni, whose husband, everybody, all the important people wanted to bury, said he was dead. (laughs) She reaches out to Ammon, and when she believes on him, he said, I have not seen such great faith among the Nephites. She is the one who raises her husband up. She is the one who exhibited great faith. Then Abish, who has this great hope, runs around and gathers all the people. And when that doesn't work out the way she thought, when the people gather instead of being converted to the Lord, they're arguing and fighting, she has the great faith and hope to walk over and grab the hand of the queen. And that's been a great example to me too. And Sarah, who was promised children, for decades and decades didn't see it. I think women of the church, we can take our faith in Christ and exhibit hope as we move forward. When we don't see the blessings yet, when things don't turn out the way we think, we can grow in faith and strength and beauty as we move forward in our life, faithful and true to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Sister Porter. I think you, from your life experiences, you have such a valuable perspective that has really been inspiring to me and that I think will be really relatable and valuable for our listeners too. Thank you for being Mm -hmm. here. Thank you so much for sharing this, really a message of hope, I think, and encouragement for so many people. Mm -hmm. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sister Porter and that you've been enjoying other episodes of the podcast. Carly and I love hearing from from you and we take your feedback to heart. So if there is a topic you would love to hear addressed or a guest you'd love to hear from, you can email us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any feedback or ideas. And on whatever platform you listen to the podcast, it's available on the church's website, but also so many other places, the Saints Channel app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If there's an opportunity, we love to read the reviews and hear what you're learning and, and what you're enjoying. So we would love that if you leave a rating or review there. And until next week, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks for listening. Thank you.